So, uh, I know you've forgotten this because this four-part should have been easily a month series. It's become a two-month uh, valley of the shadow of death. We are trying to get through this thing, okay? Because if Easter and I had to teach upstairs and we had canceled this and that. We started this series so long ago. Remember the tornado Sunday? We were all hiding in the hallways. That's how long ago this thing was going on, okay? So, I know you don't remember lesson one or two or three, okay? But just act like you do so I can feel good about me. Okay, so I'm going to do a brief, just overview of merely just the titles. Because if we recap it all, you'll be more confused because it's just deep concepts. So firstly, we talked about the timeline of like the end of the Bible. We talked about when the rapture would happen. We talked about the, what the tribulation is, how long it will happen. We talked about the false prophet and the, and the, and, um, the Antichrist. We talked about when you go to heaven, when, when people go to hell. We talked about all these things, okay? Talked about the millennial reign, how it's oddly similar to Narnia. We talked about uh, when we become, when the great white throne judgment is. Now the term sounds spooky, but it's just when he sits on a great white throne and he judges. So there's where the title comes from. He judges those going to hell or the lake of fire and those going to heaven. Okay? Then we talked about, don't you love imagery to help your little brains understand where we're going? Then we talked about the appearance of heaven. We talked about what it will look like. What you will look like. What Jesus will look like, okay? Talked about how it's a thousand miles wide, a thousand miles long. There's jewels. It's a cube, heaven, or New Jerusalem. When you say heaven, you you're not, you don't go to heaven, really. You go to New Jerusalem. We talked about all those things, okay? Then we got into the grave. Talked about how the idea of, the, of death in the Bible, you got to read the context. Sometimes it just means death in that, like, you're dead. Sometimes it means death in that you go to hell, or Old Testament people that were saved go to a place called Abraham's bosom. We talked about what made Old Testament people saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We talked about where people that died today or a thousand years ago without being saved, why they go to hell. And we talked about the difference between hell and like a fire. Okay? So let's start back kind of in that spot before we get into death. Everybody say Death. Death, like your best skillet voice. Yeah. Who was at Winter Jam? Who felt the death on the inside of them when they began to? I was like, my belly button's bleeding. I don't want to Death. Okay? So let's say that you remember the timeline because you're a good student. And we're back at the great white throne judgment. Jesus is sitting on the throne and he opens up the books. Okay? The book of life has all the names of the saved people. Okay? You leave New Jerusalem, God says, hey, your name's here. You go back to New Jerusalem, okay? You already knew you were saved. If, you're, if you got raptured, you know where you're going. But then he reads your name, a book of life. Then there are the books, plural, parentheses, the books. And these books, which have to be many, are all the deeds of sin that an unsaved person has done. And Jesus reads them off. What happens is, everybody that has died, that had been lost, back then, today, whatever, they go to hell, Okay, they, The Bible says in Revelation 20 that hell is emptied out and everybody in hell has been punished uh, like a punishment beyond your, your imagination for all these years. They are judged and he reads it off and they go then to the lake of fire. The only difference really between the hell and lake of fire is just the timetable. And this, the lake of fire at the end of time, there's fire, it burns, you're, you're trapped. There's punishment. It is dark. There's outer darkness. 
There's gnashing of teeth, which we'll explain what that means. The only difference between hell, though, and lake of fire is that now Satan is in hell. In the, in the lake of fire, rather. The Antichrist and Satan are all thrown in the lake of fire at the end of time after he judges. Okay? We talked about the difference, though, in more detail in the last lesson. So he dumps all of them into the lake of fire. Even the angels, the Bible said, there's some angels that have been trapped in hell since the fall. Some of them got caught. I don't know how. I don't know if Jesus has like a Ghostbuster machine that he catches angels with. But somehow they were trapped in prison in chains for all these years. He puts them there in the lake of fire as well. That is the end of the idea of what death means. The Bible gives two kinds of death. The first one is, please ignore that buzzing. The first one is the idea of physical death. Like you stop working, you die. Your kidneys fail, your eyes glaze over, you're dead. Okay, I don't need to be any more detailed about death. The second kind of death is the real death. Okay, Nobody ever really dies in that the lights are off and you are no longer recording. Or there's an absence of thought. Everybody lives forever in one of two places. The Bible calls the second death for when you go to hell... And the lake of fire. It is to be separated from God forever and to be punished eternally. That's what the Bible calls the second death. So the concept of death is to be eternally separated from God. Nobody is put in hell by God. Okay? Now it may be semantics, but everybody put in hell put themselves there. It may sound hurtful, harmful. may sound like, well, many people don't know. We'll deal with that a little bit. God does not put anybody in hell. They condition themselves for hell or for heaven. And we'll deal with how, what, that, what I mean by that. So let's go back to the very beginning, the Garden of Eden. Remember that? It wasn't an apple on that tree. I just used an apple so you understand where we're going. Okay? could have been a pear. It could have been a banana. I don't know. It could have been any type of fruit. But God told Adam and Eve, there's two trees in this garden besides all of the trees you need of. There's a tree of life. You can eat of that tree, and it gives you life. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that tree. Okay, that's a no-no. Don't eat of that tree. Well, Adam and Eve, they ate of that tree, right? That word knowledge, though, you know, you may think that, they, that Adam and Eve are like little, you know, they're, they're running around. They have no idea of right and wrong. They have no sense of, of oh, no, we made a boo-boo. Now, Adam and Eve know what it is to do wrong in concept. Because for you to pick right and say, I'm not going to do wrong, you have to know what wrong is. Okay? Many people believe and have preached and have taught that when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they disobeyed God. Their minds were open and now they knew what evil was and what it was to disobey. Mm -mm. They knew what it was before. This was the first time in which they actually disobeyed. That word know, which I've hammered in your, in your hearts for a couple of years now. In the Bible, that word know does not mean just to know in fact. It means to have experienced. Second Peter says that if you have seen the truth and you've obeyed the truth, now you know the truth. Okay, to know is to see it and respond to it. Our English word for know means I just know a fact. The biblical word for know means I, I believe it and I have obeyed it. Now, not to be too uh, weird with you, young people, but have you ever wondered why in the Bible when it says, and so and so the husband knew his wife? And so so knew his wife and had a baby. You're like, Mama, what does he mean? He knows, he knew them. Because you were for no means just out of an idea. It doesn't mean he just talked to his wife. It means he got involved with his wife and there was a baby formed. The Bible uses the same illustration about how you must know God and know truth. 
You can't just say, hey, there's God. You have to walk with God. And it changes you. That all being said, and as soon as I talked about it, hey, very much there, his eyebrows have been up for the last 30 seconds. <laughs> Adam and Eve then, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it is not that now they know the concept of good and evil. It's that now they know good and evil. They knew good. They knew what good was. They had seen it and obeyed it. They, they knew, in fact, this is what bad is. I know not to disobey my father. But now they have actually known it in that they have conceived it. And it births a rebellion inside their human nature. You have a human nature, a spiritual nature. Because Adam and Eve sinned, though, your human side now has something called a sin nature. It means you don't want God. It means you want to sin. You want to break things. You, you rebel against yourself. You feel that tugging. Because they disobey God, now within their spiritual womb of sorts, they have given birth to the capacity to do good and do evil. They knew good and evil, but now their bodies are wanting to do good and evil because they've experienced both. You know what I'm saying? They've given birth to a good baby of sorts and a bad baby of sorts. They've taken that tree. These two trees are spiritually still preached about in Proverbs and, and throughout the whole Bible. Solomon says we still pick of which tree we want to eat, allegorically. You follow God and His Word, you eat of the tree of life. You sin, you disobey, you then take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are still embodying and disobeying. So you, you have to watch how you live your life. Okay? Now, I'm about to really go, like, off the rails. You think we can do this and we can handle this? Okay? There are three tenses. You know, like, grammar, past tense, future tense, present perfect tense. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a good grade in grammar? I know you don't because I see your face. You're like, ah. So, you were saved when you got the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. You're being baptized. You were saved. We know how to be saved. The Bible says, you know, it says back when you were washed and you were changed and you were sanctified. We all can say, I was saved, right? Then you are currently being saved. There's verses like walk after the Spirit. Today, you make a decision today, I walk after the Spirit. Okay? So I won't fulfill the deeds of my flesh. The Bible says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. It says, Paul says, obey God so you can serve God. If you obey your flesh, you become a slave. You have a decision today. Just because you still have to eat of that tree of life today doesn't mean you're not, not saved from what you did then by being born again. You were saved, but you're still walking with God. That's why the Bible says, Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost. He said, it's like a river of living water. When you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. But you and I know, the Bible says that you can't just have one moment with His Spirit and get the Holy Ghost. You have to then, it says, walk with His Spirit. You drink of that well, and it's living inside of you. He said, out of you it will flow. But you've got to keep it alive. You have to continue. So in that sense, you were saved in a moment. You are being saved currently from the temptation of going back and being bound again. Hopefully you're still with me. And then at the end, Paul says when the rapture happens, then we will be saved. Am I saved or not? You just confused me. You were saved when you got redeemed. You are being saved. It's called sanctification. There's a fancy word for it. You are walking with God. You're staying free. He that endures. And then when you get raptured, you're glorified, it's over, you have been saved. It's, it, there's no more temptation, no more fear, no more pain. It's done. Okay? It's done. 
Because what you've done is you've continued to eat spiritually of the tree of life. When you get to heaven, the Bible says the first thing you will see is there will be that tree that Adam and Eve had to walk away from. And it says that he then towards the end will eat of that tree of life. Okay? Every day, even same people have a decision to make. Which tree will I eat from? Okay? Will I walk with God or not? First John chapter 15, or chapter 1 rather, John 15 in the Gospels, my favorite chapter. You know it's the one about the vine and the fruit. You don't remember me preaching about that. I preach about it like every single class. First John, it said, hey, did, you didn't know John wrote more than one book, did you? There's a first John and a second John. First John, he says, listen, you say that you walk with God. You say you've been saved, but you gotta, you got to walk in his life. Okay? You can't like be doing willfully bad things. You can't be, did it cut out? We're back. He said you can't like live in darkness and then say you're with God. Okay, so here's what he said you do. He's saying, listen, I'm writing this so that if you, you do sin, you know, we have an advocate with the Father. Here's what you do if you're saved and you sin. You repent, right? And you try not to do it again. You don't like abuse God or manipulate God. You, when you repent, you say, I am going to make it. Okay, you just confess and you keep going. He said, you're acting like your Father, God. Then he says, if you sin willfully, and you deceive yourself. And you willfully in that like, there's a difference between like, I messed up today, oh no. Or like, I sought out the mess up. I, I sought out the sin. I'm hiding it. I'm, I, I, I'm trying to manipulate it. I did, I, I'll sin, it's okay, I'll just repent later. He says if you live a lifestyle of that, you're acting like your father, which is the devil. Well, that's pretty terrifying. See, it shows you there's not... Two, there's not three camps. There's not like saved people and there's like neutral people and there's like demonic people with, you know, nose rings and, you know, gothic people. He said, no, there are saved people and there are bound people. Even good people you meet, you have to understand if they're hesitant to understanding God's truth and, they're, and they, you feel resistance from them, it's because they are bound. They're good people, but they're bound, right? They are bound. So you have to, you can't let yourself become bound again. By eating of bad things. By eating of the, the wrong tree again. You have a decision to make. You have to consume the right things. Why am I saying this? Well, there's a parable called the parable of weeds. Okay? I love parts of the Bible that are not, like, impressive, that nobody talks about. You've heard the parable of the sower. You've heard the prodigal son. You've heard all these things. But there's one that gets no love. Okay? It's like the ugly sister. It gets no love. The parable of the weeds. Here's the parable of the weeds. Jesus says, For I see the world like a field. And there, and there in the field I plant good seeds. And from them growth plants, good plants, okay? He said those are saved individuals, okay? I planted a seed. And they wanted it, and they become saved, and they become a plant, and they bear fruit. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm a good plant, okay? <laughs> then he said, The devil and his little minions, they go and they plant bad seeds, and they, those grow into weeds. He says, weeds are unsafe, bound people that I have trapped. Okay? Jesus tries his, his best. He tries everything. The Bible says no man is without excuse, that Jesus has reached and tried and given. Bible, he, he has reached. We can, there's a whole sermon we talk about how much God has given every man, every time, every situation. There's always a path. There's always an option. There's always a way to be free. But God says those that stay weeds... At the end of time, angels go forth and they separate the plants from the weeds. And they take the weeds, they put them in the fiery furnace, which is synonymous with hell, 
or the lake of fire. And the plants, they go up to heaven. Over and over and over again, you see this in other parables. There is the wheat that goes to heaven. There's the chaff that gets burned in hell. Okay? He separates them out. He says that the plants are the sons or daughters of the kingdom of heaven. And he says that the weeds are the sons and daughters of the devil. What makes you a son or daughter of God and a son or daughter of the devil? Now, firstly, becoming saved, right? But then you have to, like, endure to the end. I'm saying this because I want to change your idea that though hell, lake of fire, is a destination, a real place that you will find yourself if you don't walk with God. Firstly, hell is a mindset, and then it is a way of living, and then it is a destination. See, no matter how much we lie to ourselves, none of us will be shocked where we end up. Now, we may be going, oh, heaven was real. I'm glad my doubts weren't real. But when you get there, you'll go, you know, I did, I did my best, and God's grace is good. And I, I did, you know, I did my best. Nobody that gets to hell really is shocked when they get to hell. Then they go, oh, there was a God? Oh, the Bible was real? And then they'll go, oh, I messed up. Okay? There, there's no, you condition yourself for where you will live everlasting life. The idea that there, there is a way that you can live your life and then you change your condition as soon as you get the first scare of the trumpet may sound or as soon as you see the world get weird. Every day you, just, you, you live, you are conditioning yourself for where you're going to go. By what? Picking which tree you're going to eat from. Okay? For instance, if the Bible says that if I obey God, I become a slave to God, a good kind. The Bible says if I obey my flesh and Satan, I become a slave unto Satan, the bad kind. I, I am bound, and I pick who I'm bound by. When I walk with God, he makes it easier. What I'm doing is I'm giving up my decisions. I'm giving up my will. He allows me to be free by me giving up my will. When I do the opposite with Satan, he robs me of my will and imposes his will upon me. I become a son of the devil or a daughter of the devil. Okay? When Adam and Eve took of the truth and knowledge of evil, they were not freed. They were then bound. They made a decision that looked like freedom, but they gave up their ability to be free. They became bound. When you walk with God every day and you endure to the end, Okay? What you're doing is every day you're saying, God, today I give you my will. Not my will, but thy will. When you live a life of sin, you're telling Satan, whether you realize or not, I'm giving my will, not my will, but thy will. It begins to warp your mind. And then it begins to warp your life. And then it begins to put you in a condition of living in heaven or living in hell. Okay? So, I've had people ask, and I've thought it before, like, why... Won't we sin in heaven? The Bible says no temptation, no, 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 no pain, no sorrow. Why won't we just fall again like Adam and Eve did in the beginning? Because Adam and Eve were given the choice. And they chose. And every day from the moment you got saved, and the, every day you walk with Him, you're giving God back that choice. You're, you're choosing, I don't want this. So when you say for every day, I don't want this. When you go to heaven, He doesn't rob you of your choice. You made your choice. And you said, God, I don't want the capacity to sin anymore. You give him back your sin nature. You give him back this rebellion that was birthed inside of us. You give it back to him. That's why you're free for everlasting life when you go to heaven. So let's talk about how this all started, though. 
If death is an idea that warps the brain and then it pollutes your life on this earth and then it's something that ends you up in hell, where did it start? Lucifer, by Ezekiel's words in the book of Ezekiel, says that Lucifer actually worked in the Garden of Eden before he sinned, before he failed, before he became the devil. He worked there. Okay, He was a chief cherubim. He was like high up. He reflected God's glory. He was a guy that you could respect. Adam and Eve most likely saw him because he worked in the garden. He was in charge of the garden some shape or fashion. But then he rebelled against God, thought himself to be equal to God. He confused the glory he radiated with his own glory. and said, I want to be you. I want to usurp you. And a third of heaven rebelled with Lucifer. So on his way out... Having sinned, okay, he sees this creation that God has made, Adam and Eve. He sees God's obsession. And he begins to think, I started rebellion. Let me see if I can get rebellion in their lives. Now, Mary, you may, you may wonder, Mary, how come, you know, we don't see angels falling again? I thought angels don't have free will. I get humans, we're made to make the decision every day, which tree will I eat of. Angels, for whatever reason, were able to make that choice once. And there's no scripture in the Bible that shows they made that choice again and again. Okay? There's no story. There's no scripture about angels. There's no loss prevention in heaven because angels are still backsliding. And there's no angel evangelistic program where they're trying to win back backslidden angels. They had one choice and it was done. But humans were able to make a wrong choice and by God's grace come back and make a better choice. You can eat of the bad tree one day and by God's grace come back and change your life and eat of the good tree another day. You can walk with God, obey God, understand I don't want sin. We're made for this choice. Angels were not. They made one choice and they were stuck by the choice they made. So he started this rebellion. He's the father of sin. He walks down and he sees Adam and Eve and he knows they can't eat of this tree. But he begins to deceive Eve and confuse Eve. And he causes them, Eve, to take of the tree and eat of it and give it to her husband. And now there's sin and now there's rebellion. It warps the brain. It warps the mind. There is now death in our bodies physically in that we die. There's death in that we're separate from God. And there's another death in that we now want to break everything that's good in our life. We don't want integrity. We'll hurt those around us. We can't be moral. We can't be consistent. We hide sin. We hide compromise. But then the Bible says that when you get the Spirit of God inside of you, He allows you to finally respect yourself, to finally be free. That, that, that nagging inability to be free and to keep your end of the bargain, the Holy Ghost allows you to be free now. But you have to walk with Him, or you can go back and be bound again. You literally, in your, in your young lives, have already experienced what it is to feed your spirit and to feed your flesh. You know how bound you'll be tomorrow because that one compromise a day. And you also know why praying three days later is easier when you pray each day leading up to it. You know what it is to give and take. And you feed that your whole life and all of a sudden you become free more or more bound. When you get to heaven, or you get to hell rather, the Bible says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this word gnashing, you may think, means that like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm in pain, God forgive me. Everybody in hell is like, I'm sorry I messed up. No, they're actually mad at God. There's a story where Jesus says, that there was a poor man named Lazarus. He goes to Abraham's bosom, paradise. Refer to lesson three if you have questions. <laughs> then there was a rich man. He was sinful. He went to hell. He's burning. He says, can I have a drop of water? He said, I'm on fire. I'm burning. 
See, there's a physicality to the afterlife. You don't, you're not a vapor. You have a new body in heaven and you have a body that never perishes to the fires of hell, but you're always feeling pain. There's a physicality to it. He thirsts. He looks over and says to Lazarus and Abraham, Hey, can I have some water? And Abraham said, There's a distance between us. I can't help you. He said, Well, then send back up Lazarus and let him preach to my brothers that, that there's hell. It's real. He said, Because if, if someone would have told me, if, if, if a dead man would have came back and warned me, I'd have made it. And Abraham says, No, Moses was enough for you. Basically, he's telling the man that your Bible was enough. You had enough sermons, you have no excuse. There was enough truth. He said, no, it wasn't. No, I didn't have enough. No one preached to me enough. Nobody loved me enough. Nobody explained it enough. The man is on fire, burning in hell, and a pain never expressed, and he is bitter at God, saying it, he wasn't given enough. And he says, if you would if you'd send back letters, a dead man from the grave would win my brothers over. And Abraham, kind of in prophecy, says, even if a man came back from the dead and preached about it, nobody listened to him. Jesus came back from the grave. And still, more than those that have received him. Millions of more people will reject the idea and the truth of Jesus. Right? Even those that saw an empty tomb with their own eyes. Even those that saw Jesus walk and talk and do miracles, they still can accept him. Because if you're going to go to hell, you're conditioning yourself for it now. Isn't that weird? Like, you, you're, you condition yourself. He said, there are people already that are citizens of heaven. These are the sons of heaven. Now, they asked Jesus, where is your kingdom of heaven? They're thinking heaven, like the streets of gold. Heaven, your, your eternal kingdom. He said heaven's happening now. He was saying that the kingdom of heaven is my spirit ruling you and giving you victory today, now and every day until you get to heaven eternally. If heaven is a freedom of his spirit today, and it becomes a condition that you live in tomorrow, and it becomes a real place you live in an everlasting life. Hell is the same thing. Hell is first an idea. When you sin, no matter how small the compromise, you are drinking a little bit of poison called hell. And when you obey and you walk with God, you are drinking of the wells of living water. A little bit of, a little bit of heaven. So you're conditioning yourself to be a good citizen of whichever place you're going to end up. If he said that, hey, this is my cup, this is my body, partake of me, drink of that, walk with me. I am the life. It is something you partake of every day like a meal. And hell is the same thing. It's a poison you take. It first numbs your mind, pollutes your heart, and then it burns your body for everlasting. What I'm trying to tell you is that don't just view it a place because it's way more scary and you realize that when you get to hell, you still think you were done wrong. Let's go back to the term gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth is used in Lamentations when it says the enemies of God curse and blaspheme and gnash their teeth at God's people. David said in Psalms twice that rebellious people gnash their teeth. He said that people blaspheme me and gnash their teeth at me. When they go to stone Stephen, the first Christian martyr for preaching the gospel, it says they get angry and they what? They gnash their teeth. Gnashing of teeth is not, oh, I'm so sorry. Gnashing of teeth is, I hate you and I'm upset. Gnashing of teeth is synonymous with rebellion and bitterness. People in hell are mad about being there. They blame God for why they're there. See, hell is not just a place. It is first a condition. Sin is a poison. It is very hard to get out. By His grace and His love, He will help you get it out of you. But the more you feed it, the more you eat at that wrong tree, the poison warps your mind. Be before it burns your body, it first singes your heart. 
and pollute your mind. I don't want you to just look at hell as some fiery place that will be in the hereafter. I want you to look at hell when you see a world that is living unbridled. I want you to see hell when you see abortion rates rise. I want you to see hell when you see promiscuity and death and drug addiction. I want you to see hell at the jokes you used to laugh about. When you pop in that DVD or turn to that streaming service, I want you to no longer see just momentary sin or just not as bad of sin. I want you to see hellfire that has a the ability, I want you to see the poison all around you. Because if you only see it as a place, you will be in that place. You know what I'm saying? It may come in small doses, but it is very, very powerful. He said, how you act here determines if you're a citizen of heaven. And how you act here determines if you're a citizen of hell. Hell is already here, y'all. And it is warming people up to be okay with being there. You know what I'm saying? That was Satan's thing. Satan, he's bound like a fire. He's thrown in there. Satan does not run hell. The kingdom of hell, when it said that Jesus went down and got the keys of death on the grave, he did not steal it from Satan's lockbox. Satan is not the warden. He does not rule hell. The kingdom of hell, that's why it says that Satan rules the kingdom of hell, right? But he's not on the throne down in hell. He is bound to the same punishment like a fire. It's saying that he's the kingdom, his ideas, his mindset, the things he calls you to do will send you to hell. So when you, when the lake of fire is open, Satan's bound there, lost people are bound there. It is not something to be glorified. It is not something that he runs. He is doomed there too. So I just want to get in your spirit today that don't let it become something that creeps in. Okay? If you have any any small sin in your life that may, like, in your words, small, it is just making you more comfortable to the heat that hell will be. You know what I'm saying? If you can, one dose at a time, that little voice that says, don't do it, that's bad, you can drown out that voice. You singe that voice. Okay? If you can feel the pain of hellfire when you sin when no one's around, you will never feel it for eternity. Right? I had to talk about hell and kind of try to scare you a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So just please don't view it just as a place at first. Fear it as a state of mind and then a way of living before it ever becomes your place. Okay? Basically, heaven and hell are like savings accounts. What you buy into, you will then get your return on. What you sow, the Bible says, you will reap. That is the true sense of death in the Bible. Be separate from God today. Be separate from God tomorrow. And be separate from God after this is all ended. Okay? Why don't you stand with me? That wasn't too long, right? <laughs> Lighten up. My goodness, look at y'all's... Y'all's... Uh, is it hot in here? This is not the day to turn up the air. I turned up to 70 and I'm sweating like crazy and we're talking about health. So, okay. Hey, review the lessons. I know you're, you probably won't. Okay, but it's out there. If you really want to be a good student or you really care, review the lessons. Okay, they all plug in together. Uh, study for yourself. Okay, a lot of stuff people believe about heaven and hell is not real. It's not in the Bible. Okay, people believe some crazy stuff. Okay, before you watch a YouTube video, just read your Bible. Okay, if you YouTube to hell, you oh, have mercy in your soul. If you Wikipedia hell and heaven, you're just gonna, you're gonna get lost and be confusing. Okay. 
It's way more understandable if you just get it from the source, okay? But I do. Listen, if I preach this on a Sunday, I could spit, I could slobber, we could have three songs warp your heart. I'd be way more eloquent. I'd throw myself around. I would just, I'd really get you in your emotion. You'd feel it. You'd, you'd, you'd almost feel the heat. You would smell the sulfur. You'd be like, man, I don't want to go to hell, okay? But it's Wednesday. You've been from school. There's work, okay? You probably didn't brush your teeth before you came to church because it's Wednesday, it's not Sunday. But I still don't want this moment. I still want you to understand that hell's a real place, y'all. And we don't want to go there. Amen? Amen. I mean, I keep my house on 68 degrees as we were talking about earlier. Hell is not a place for me. Okay? Have you seen how pale I am? Hell is not a place for me. <laughs> okay. Let's pray. After we pray, make yourselves friendly. I'm going to crack down the AC a little bit. And, uh, yes. He's praying. Oh, you already praying? You <laughs> Chase is so spirit. He was I say let's pray. Chase is already praying. Okay. God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you for uh, teaching us. God help us understand it, help us to apply it. God, your word can be lighthearted. Your word can be uh, interesting. Your word can be a hobby and obsession. It can be our favorite pastime. Let your word come alive. Let us study to show ourselves approved. God, let us not manipulate your grace. Let us not manipulate or gamify walking with you. Let us have freedom in life. And in Jesus' name, the church says, Amen. Amen.